This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to a Thanksgiving edition of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'll be joined today by the full crew, David, Brady, and Jordan. Today we're going to be breaking down Georgia State's 28-15 win over South Alabama. Uh, We're going to preview a little bit of Georgia Southern, Georgia State football talk, and then get into some Panther basketball. But before we do any of that, gentlemen, how are we feeling? Pretty good. Thankful. Thankful. Yes. Yeah. I'm thankful for the Georgia State athletic program right now. I laid down the gauntlet, as it were. I was, I was like, you're allowed to be disappointed if there's no wins this week or if there's losses that shouldn't happen. And they went 3-0 and in, on men's basketball. So, bam, 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 no disappointment. Yeah, it was a really good weekend, all told. Uh, I think the basketball team looked the best just because, selfishly, I got to see um, – a little bit more intimately those two games, you know, but shout out to the basketball team for going in and, you know, beating Cal Baptist and winning the, what the empire 2k classic, you know, it's, it's always nice when you can go to those tournaments and play around the country and play teams you otherwise wouldn't. Um, and, you know, look good doing it. It was a successful week for the Panthers on the football side. Uh, like I said, 28, 15 win over South Alabama. I'll rattle off a couple of statistics here. So Georgia State finished with 384 total offensive yards, 200 of eight, which came from the passing game, which I think was a bit surprising, at least to me. I mean, we had talked about after Dan's injury, this team is going to be leaning a little more heavily on run. Obviously, that was before we knew he was going to be taking as big of a role in the offense moving forward as he has. But I'll say from my own thoughts and perspective that I was surprised with Dan's performance, especially the passing game this past Saturday. I mean, he looked a lot better and a lot more comfortable in the pocket passing the ball. Um, Obviously, you know, he's not a big factor in the run game anymore. So teams aren't going to have to prepare for that aspect of his game. And I think that's really what you saw in later parts of the app state game where they just keyed in on him and waited for him to, you know, they sat back in, in coverage a little more than they would if he was mobile and getting out of the pocket and making plays with his legs. But Ultimately, I mean, Dan Ellington had a pretty solid game, all things considered. Uh, 21 of 27, pretty good. Uh, 208 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 93 overall quarterback rating. What do we think about Dan's performance specifically in this win? Yeah, great. Uh, First off, I would say the interception was on the tip ball at the line. Uh, Weird live because it wasn't immediately clear got tipped and it was just a total duck, but you can even discount that as, you know, like balls get tipped to the line. It happens. You know, that's not really on him. And, and you're right. He was pretty locked in in the past game. And I think we were all a little bit surprised by it just because we weren't sure what to expect. We still thought there might be more of like a during of the offense with quad Brown. And it was Dan's offense. And the first two drives that looked like more of the same and more of the same being a pejorative, given how last week had gone. Uh, but after the first two drives where the offense did absolutely nothing, started putting it together, a lot of short passes, a lot of play action passes. And you don't want to just, you know, say one win team bad. And that's why you did better. I think it definitely is a part of it that South Alabama isn't as good as app state and isn't really in the same league as app state. And so I think that definitely did play a factor, but that's not to take away from most teams on the schedule. Georgia state has that, 
effective mix between pass and run have a day like they did yeah no i think you're right um i don't think we can take anything away from south alabama but this was a really good kind of relaxer game for the mentality for Georgia State and you know Dan looked a lot better this week than he did last week and you know especially I believe it was the touchdown to Roger Carter where he rolled out to his right and um, you know he looked a lot better on his lateral movement and you know I think that was something that you really worried about especially because Georgia State likes to run a lot of quick and timing route option passes and a lot of those force quarterbacks to move kind of left and right. And in the App State game, those passes weren't there. Those throws weren't there. You know, you could tell that Dan didn't have the power, but it looked like from what I saw anyway, that the, that was part of his game was back, which was really nice to see. That's definitely what you want moving forward. I just want to point out that in my preview for the South Alabama game, I specifically said, you know, we might not have Sam Pickney in this game. Jonathan Effetti or one of the freshmen, Kadarius Thompson or Jamari Thrash. We'll see if they can step up in this game. Uh, it was Roger Carter and it was Devin Gentry who stepped up. So score one for not me. <laughs> <laughs> totally missed on that one. Uh, it was really nice to see Roger Carter have this type of game because Aubrey Payne's taken the spotlight for the touchdown streaks and just timely receptions, but Roger Carter's quietly just had a really good year. Hadn't had a game like this, so it was nice to see from him. And then I think it goes without saying we have to mention Trey had an amazing game again. 23 carries, 128 yards, and a score long of 32. I believe he also passed 2,000 career rushing yards, which is the first for a Panther running back in school history. So again, congratulations to Trey. And he was a big part of why Georgia State was able to kind of pick up the momentum after those first couple drives where they came out flat. And you could tell that kind of this team, while Seth Page is out, this running game is going to go as far as Trey is going to take us. And I mean, obviously, that's it's indicative of your number one running back is going to be the biggest part of your uh, offensive production when it comes to running the ball, but especially now that Dan has been hurt and that element of his game has been taken away and Trey has just stepped up and played phenomenally. So just in his last few games, I'm looking right here, 32 carries against ULM for 190 yards, two touchdowns, 17 carries against app state who had a, a pretty stout defensive front and they were, you know, kind of blowing up our offensive line a bit. He still got 90 yards in a five, 5.3 yards per carry. That's right in his average 23 carries again, 128 yards at a touchdown for Trey against USA. So I'm really excited to see Trey take a bigger step and show that he can carry a bigger load of the offensive production on the rushing side. And again, props to the offensive line. They got kind of that that bounce back game and were able to create a lot of opportunities for him to get out into the open field and make plays with his legs and show how athletic he is. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about the offense. Offense is always the sexy, sexy thing to talk about. But this is the best game the Georgia State defense played in a while. Uh, And again, level opponent played a role of the two sides for Alabama. The offense is definitely the peg below what their defense was at that. So again, grain of salt. It doesn't necessarily mean anything about the next game or a potential bull opponent. But it was an encouraging sign for the defense. Uh it really started with not allowing their running backs much of anything. Uh, Trey Minter ended up with 70 yards, but it was on under four yards of carry. Uh, no run bigger than 12 yards. And that's a team that, like Georgia State, they really want to get their inside run game working. And when that wasn't there and when they were running it for 
losses or for short yardage. It was putting them behind the sticks. And while I think that their freshman quarterback, Desmond Trotter, has got something, uh, I don't know that he is definitely all-conference guy down the line, but I think the potential is there. I think he's got something about him that just says, you know, football player. Uh, He was a little overmatched in that he was asked to do a lot more in the passing game than I think he was comfortable with. Yeah, I mean... I thought that the Georgia State defense has shown some signs of improvement over the past few weeks, but it was really nice to have a good result to match exactly what you saw. Um, You know, holding a team to 2.8 yards per rush. I mean, that's what you want to do, you know, and it, a lot of these stats are a little bit inflated because I believe South Alabama scored what twice at the end of the game. Once at the end of the game. That's the other understated thing. It was 28, three and it was over nine minutes left. Dan gets pulled from the game, gets an ovation. And from that point, South Alabama added two big chunk plays against, I wasn't counting players on the field, but at least the second one's for sure against entirely backups. Uh, I think the first one was as well. So even for what South Alabama did get, it wasn't really that because a lot of it came late against not the starters. Exactly. And that I think is huge heading into next week for this defense to have a game where they can realize, yeah, we still are probably we're still capable of being a good defense because it's really hard to take positive takeaways from a game where you look up and you gave up 56 or you gave up 45. If you gave up an inflated 15, it's easier to get something from that as a defense and say, we can do this. A couple of key players on the defensive end that got involved in this win over South Alabama, uh, Trey John Stevens of queen, uh, six total tackles, five solo tackles, uh, had a one and a half, uh, tackles for loss and a quarterback hurry. And then Zach Dixon freshman linebacker had four solo tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, uh, and his uh, got his first career sack. So congratulations to him. And, you know, it's, it's been encouraging. There've been, like David said, there've been flashes of the defense showing that they can have a more, you know, dominant performance than we've seen them in other times this year. And I think there are definitely there, especially, you know, guys like Zach Dixon, you know, getting involved early and getting minutes now will kind of prop him up to be in a better position in his development during the off season. And these minutes that they're getting guys like that, you know, Trey John Stevens McQueen, he's a junior senior, um, junior. that he's junior. Um, you know, the, the linebacking core at Georgia State has struggled at times, but we saw them kind of have, again, like a bounce back game and kind of get right, um, which I think is, is is exactly what we needed before we go on the road to play that school down south um, coming up this Saturday. Want to get into it? Let's do it. How do we feel? Better than I thought I would feel at the beginning of the year. I don't know, honestly. And I think the reason I don't know is because Well, I think it's twofold and it's a little football speaky, but I don't want to say I have questions about Georgia State's ability to stop the run. Um, But I know that as much as we talk about them and how they face the option before, at the end of the day, Georgia Southern is still a really good option team. Um, And I think it really just comes down to the fact of how effective can Dan Ellington be against a team who is going to want to bull rush him um, and how effective the running backs can be against a team that's going to want to, you know, stack the box and, you know, force Dan to throw. And I don't want to sit here and say that I think that I don't think Georgia State will win. 
I think they probably do. Um, I think if we had a healthy Dan, it probably wouldn't be as close. Of, like objectively, it's probably not a, an, an incredibly close game. Um, but I don't know. Honestly, I just I cannot find an answer about how I feel because I could see it going either way. Yeah, I think that credit where credit's due, Georgia Southern's offense has gotten better since the last time we would have talked about them. Uh, Wesley Kennedy coming back for them has been really big because he's just the most explosive player that, you know, skill player they've got up there with Shai Wirtz also. Um, basically a coin flip because they both can just make stuff out of nothing. Um, and I, when I talked to Coach earlier this week, it's like, what's the key to stopping Shai Wirtz? And he said, tackle him. <laughs> and it's always fun when football gives you the simple solutions because he's right. I mean, there's going to be multiple times in the game where a play is going to break down or there's going to be pressure on a pass play or whatever where it's going to get the chance to roll out. And it's going to be about whether Georgia State gets him down or whether he gets away and makes a big play because sometimes with words, it's not even just the original play. It's just that he doesn't really give up on the play. He's always looking for a way to make something out of it. And so there's going to be opportunities. It might be on like a key third down. It might be just on the first play from scrimmage. You know, any time in the game, there, there's going to be a situation where a Georgia State player will, will have a chance to make a play, bring Shy Words down for a loss. And those are the type of plays that will make the difference as far as Georgia State on defense. For me, the encouraging thing is I think there's been a nice step up in play as Taylor was talking about with the linebackers, but then also with the safeties, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that up the middle, those guys are going to be really important for against the running backs and against Wirtz because somebody in the middle is going to have a spy on Wirtz on these plays. And so that's what I'm looking at. You know, it's to kind of piggyback off that defensive point. Um, I think one encouraging sign for Georgia State is if they can get off the field on third down. Georgia Southern is not a great third down efficient team on the year. They're 30, 31, 32, depending on how you like to round percent. Um, and I mean, that's not great. And especially for a team who loves to live in short down and distances, you know, only being 32 percent, you know. So I think if Georgia State, if their defense, as you said, can do can keep them in those big down in distances and can keep them from converting on third down. I think it could be a long day for the Eagles, but on the other side, you know, is the Georgia state offense capable of moving the ball against that defense? Yeah, I, I will say, uh, bringing together the Thursday night podcast and just personal pastime thing. I've made a thing of during this rivalry, rewatching the 2015 game on, occasion in which Georgia State went down to Statesboro 34-7 to get bowl eligibility for the first time in program history. Um, it's a fun nostalgic thing. Um, good Georgia State moment, arguably the best in the football team short history, but actually kind of a parallel. I'm not saying the teams are necessarily the same because they're definitely not, but in that game, especially in the second half, what got Georgia State going on offense was play action, pop passes, quick passes, getting it out finding the open space where the guy's blitzing or finding the open receiver if the protection holds up. And I think that that's going to be the key in this game too. I think the old way of running, 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 and then finding pass plays when you get them looking run, just because Dan's 
leg isn't what it used to be and you they're not going to call this number in the run game a lot i think that those days are kind of done for 2019 it's going to be a lot more of like what we saw on saturday with using the pass to set up the run and so i think if if that stuff is working especially early and you can get the run plays going especially without possibly having two drives at the start of the game where you don't go anywhere going to spell success for georgia state Interesting statistical tidbit that I just found on the NCAA.org stat site, which is a great resource for anybody that's a stat head, kind of like I am. Um, Florida State ranks 11th in the country in rushing offense with 257.6 yards per game on the ground. Georgia Southern ranks 9th in the country with 259.9 yards per game. And the fact that Georgia State and Georgia Southern run very different offenses and treat the running game very differently in the way they approach the game, I think that speaks wildly to the credit of Georgia State of how they've been able to move the ball in tough situations this year. And I think that's going to be the key for Georgia State's ability to go down to Statesboro and perform well, especially given that Dan has a kind of a proclivity to getting quick passes in and out and, you know, those quick slant rows. And that's going to be the key to kind of picking the part their offense or their defense rather, and kind of opening up the fields so that the offensive line can get into that next level, open up some holes. So the fact that they're going to have to at least give some respect to Dan's passing game. I think that the Georgia state offense is going to have to rely on a balance of the two to open up the field for Trey and the running backs to kind of, shoulder a bigger workload um now that you know dan again has has had that element of his game taken away a little bit those statistics are average over the entire season yes yes wow okay georgia state and georgia southern are functionally identical in their rushing game uh however georgia state says at 18th in the country in total offense at 461.2 yards per game georgia southern is 115th in the country at 320 332.6. 332.6. Ooh, you hate I to think see that it. matters. Like I know, you know, we talk about we talk about Dan's inability or to run right now. I think that matters because in a way we're going to watch two teams who kind of are hamstrung by one side of offensive game planning. And I think that'll help both defenses in a way. And, you know, it's going to come down to which one can execute. And if you take passing away from Georgia Southern, well, they're an option team, so they don't really like to do that anyways. So if you stop the run, you stop their offense. But if you take running away from Georgia state, you're only taking running away from Dan, you know, and they're still a rushing team. So maybe I've convinced myself that Georgia State will win, and I feel good as we talked on this podcast. I think we're going to take the credit, and you didn't actually convince yourself. We did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you had you got Tennessee. Somebody else can get this one. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Dan got Tennessee too. <laughs> Don't be shocked, man. So I mean, it'll be interesting. We'll definitely have to wait and see. Um, but there are more sports to talk about because the men's basketball team. They they're on a good streak right now. Three straight wins. Good streak. It's kind of a weird time. This is going to be the most extensive game of catch up with the basketball team, just because after this recording, there's three games to have talked about since the last time we recorded. So I think just we can probably shade towards Charlotte, I guess. But we should definitely mention the wins of the weekend over Prairie View and Cal Baptist. Speaking just as the tournament on the weekend as just a whole, 
it was nice to see two different types of wins. You had a game where against Prairie View, you led most of the way, kind of withstood them late at the end and made foul shots to win. And against Cal Baptist, Georgia State trailed a lot of the game. And it what the highest was, I think, 15. Cal Baptist led by somewhat early in the second half. I honestly, I think that was my favorite game that I've seen of this Georgia State team play because at halftime, you know, Georgia State was down eight and immediately coming out in the second half, they kind of changed their defensive game plan. They started uh, running a half court press a little bit and it still kind of didn't work. And Cal Baptist pushed the lead up to 15. And then Georgia State went on like a 25 to five run. And from that point on, Cal Baptist couldn't hit the bar, the broadside of a barn. And it was incredible to watch the Georgia State defense get turnover after turnover after turnover after turnover. I think there was like five straight trips down the floor for Cal Baptist where they just turned the ball over. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was just them dribbling it off their foot or being bad. No, it was Kane and Damon getting in passing lanes. It was, you know, Josh Linder with a block or, you know, just affecting the way that the Cal Baptist team did anything. And it was incredible to watch them just turn on a dime like that. And you wonder why they couldn't play like that the entire game, but still it was, it's nice to see that the team can make those adjustments either at halftime or on the fly as it were. Yeah. It wasn't even just like, all right, the initial pressure is over. We can run our sets now for Cal Baptist. Uh, There was at least a couple of times where it was like, they beat the press, but because they were going at such a pace, they were making quick passes, and Georgia State was getting on the second or third pass of that sequence in the front court. And that was nice to see. Uh, I think that Coach Lanier kind of nailed it in his post game. He he went on the radio and he was basically like, offense was rushing it, and it was just not patient and it wasn't disciplined. And I yelled at them at the half about it and told them you told me you're going to be a better disciplined team. Um, and the, they played like that in the second half. Uh, they waited for their shots. Um, I think it's it's kind of a, it's a needle that the team's going to have to thread as the year goes on because guys like Corey Allen and Justin Roberts, they kind of are those players where if they've got the opening five seconds into the shot clock, their their game kind of predicates on being able to take shots like that. Uh, it's just going to be about finding the right time for it and find the time to wait for the moment, wait for the shot. But in the second half, they improved the shooting percentage greatly. And it, it was no coincidence that it was because they were waiting and getting better looks. Did you get the sense that they were rushing looks in the first half? Because I'm not sure that I got necessarily that sense that they were rushing looks. It was more so just, they weren't taking what Cal Baptist wanted to give them. And I think that was what was more frustrating to see than anything else. Yeah, I mean, a little of both. Uh, I think there were possessions where it was just like they got got past half court and were the first time there was a chance to get in the lane or whatever, they were making the run of the basket. Um, and some of it was just also just not finishing shots, which some of that's just you're playing basketball in November and the shots go in easier in January, February, and March because you've played more. I guess uh, just finishing on, on Cal Baptist because we should still work it towards the Charlotte. Uh, Chris Kirkley played career high minutes in both games of the tournament. He broke his career high in minutes in both games, Friday and Saturday. 
And I thought he played his best game at Saturday against Cal Baptist that he'd played at Georgia State. And I think that's in no small measure why Coach Lanier started him against Charlotte. Yes, I thought he did really well as well. Um, I know that Georgia State has started to have a sort of big man rotation. Um, Coach Lanier loves to involve Linder, Clerkley, and Jones. Um, but I do think that Clerkley played incredibly well this weekend. It was justified that he got the start today against Charlotte. So Charlotte, 81-78 win in overtime. Uh, overtime's always exciting, you know. Uh, wins are wins. And it's better to learn three straight wins than three state losses, as we've found. Um, it's just, you know, more fun that way. And I got to say, the, I think maybe you left him off intentionally just so I could specifically mention him in the bigs. But Jalen Thomas played great against Charlotte. Yes, I did. Because he we needed to shout him out specifically. He had a monster game today, honestly. And it's it's funny that you mentioned the clerkly uh, breaking his minutes high. He didn't actually have that many minutes today, and that's probably because Thomas was doing so well. Yeah, I think it's a thing where we've alluded to this a couple of times that it's just kind of going to be a collection of those four guys. Uh, whoever's hot, that particular game is going to play more in the big rotation. But it's encouraging that we've seen good games from all of them. I think Joe Jones has hit a little bit of a struggle. I don't know whether it's just the minutes piling up, you know, whatever, just he, he's had some bad foul luck. So we'll we'll see what happens with Joe today. You're right. It was the Jalen Thomas show. He got 29 minutes. Um, I guess it's a little bit less than, you know, it's, it's 29 out of 45 rather than 29 out of 40, but it, it was defense. It was offense. I mean, He's shown already that he's got a pretty composed offensive game for a big of any class in college, and he's just a freshman. Uh, around the basket, he's very polished already, and he was contesting and you know jumping passing lanes. And there were a couple times where I saw he ended up with four fouls, but there were a couple times where I saw him you know not go over the back on a guy on a rebound or not contest because there wasn't going to be a chance to do anything but foul a guy. And so he got beaten some, you know, one-on-ones or he got matched up on a guard and guard got around him, but that, that stuff's going to happen. And the positives way out weighed the negatives. And especially at this early stage, you definitely take that because he's showing you what his floor is. And if he can build on this, even by the end of this year, he's going to be a real player, but especially in years to come. Now. So I wanted to, point out something that I've noticed with the team. Um, I I feel crazy, but has Georgia State ever been so prolific at getting steals? I haven't noticed it, no. I I think that it's always been a part of, you know, Coach Hunter also liked getting steals. I think it was by the end of the year, they're averaging more like the seven to eight a game rather than they're currently at 9.6 a game. Uh it's also just been different because it's the man system rather than the zone system. How it's happening is different. And a lot of the ways that feeds more productive activity, because if you're jumping a passing lane in man and it's there's guys further up court already just by virtue of where they'd be defending, whereas in the zone, everyone's kind of in the middle. Right. Um, it definitely I would say 
whether or not it's that on a prolific level, it's definitely been noticeable so far how they've been doing it and yeah. that they've been doing it. And it's it's weird because it's not, you know, it's not like we're just talking about one or two people. I feel like it's the entire team. Yeah, I mean, these just looking steals, you know, there's some turnovers that have been forced that people won't get credit for because it didn't result in, you know, it was just a bad pass went out of bounds. And so it's a turnover. But just looking at steals for what that stat tells you, Corey Allen has seven. Kane has 11. Justin Roberts has 17. He's obviously the star of that because you, I don't know that we expected quite how good of a defender, an active defender he was going to be coming into this year, just because we didn't know. Uh, Damon has 10. Dylan Thomas has eight. And then everyone else on the team at least has one. Nelson's got four. Linder's got four. And both those guys are guys that, you know, the way that they are kind of lanky, especially for their position like Nelson, those you'd expect them to be guys who can get steals. So even though that they're currently not putting in the same numbers as some other guys, it is a thing where whatever five are out there, there's a lot of guys playing for steals, a lot of guys who know where to look for the steals. And I think that you're going to see it continue. It's it's not Coach Lanier's priority. He's basically like half-court defense is Steals come, the steals come. Uh, don't look for them. But the, whether they're looking for them or not, they're coming so far in 2019. It's just nice to see that they're just as active as they were before, if not more. Yeah, I think that was the question because there were certain parts of the zone scheme Coach Hunter run that it, it got people uncomfortable and it got to where a lot of times Georgia State was very winning the turnover battle. I mean, it's why they upset Baylor in the tournament because they had six turnovers, Baylor had 21, but it was the question of whether that could continue our new system, especially so quickly. And it seems like there's still stuff to iron out around the edges. Um, but the defensive transition, I think there's been a lot of foul shots given up by Georgia state and that's a problem, but you're currently holding teams to 38% shooting and 25% from three. If you keep that up, you're going to stop giving up 71 points a game. It's going to be more like 60 in conference play. And I guess that's, a, you know, a, a workable transition to stuff that could be better. Yeah. Um, it's there's still just slop. Like mentioned, you know, with the missed layoffs. I mean, there's just stuff that's going to get cleaned up as you play more than seven games, especially guys that haven't played in a year. But the one thing I would say, the transition game, especially with all the turnovers we just lauded, I feel like there's a missed opportunity for some more points just by not working the ball better in transition. Uh, there were, I think, two out of three plays in the, middle of the second half where guys got steals, great play, and then whether they you know, lost it in the open court trying to pass for a play, find the open guy or whether they they took them themselves. So it was kind of the wrong move and it ended up meeting a contested shot and or a turnover. And I think the transition is where, especially if the turnover is going to stay where they are, the transition game's got to be better where you're getting points more readily. And so that's, that's the one place I would highlight as far as Charlotte game, things to improve. But again, get the minutes under your feet. Stuff like that starts to get more clean. I don't want to nitpick something. Um, do it. That's what we're supposed to do. Because I don't think it's a problem, but I, it's something that I've noticed. Uh, this team is 
both good and not good at shooting the three ball. Um, Very streaky. Yeah. And I, I think it's I think that's more so just. It, as you said and alluded to earlier, it's November. Some of those shots fall in January when you've been playing with guys for a lot longer, um, you know, but just kind of going up and down the roster right now and where they are in terms of their three point percentage. Um, it's just not what I would expect a Georgia state team to be at. Um, and granted it's the team as a whole is at 41%. So, you know, like I said, I feel like that's a little nitpicky, Um, but maybe that number could be a little higher. They were at 55% on this game uh, versus Charlotte for what it's worth. Yeah. And they, they, today they looked a lot better than they did against Cal Baptist. I think it was during the Cal Baptist game. uh, Twitter was kind of talking about, is this the game that Georgia state ends their made uh, three-point basket streak it obviously wasn't you know um but 11 percent from behind the arc is definitely not something that i would expect a georgia state team to do um so that's definitely something to watch um the other games have been all right charlotte today was 55 F prairie view was 38 georgetown 38 duke was 41 uh charleston was 31 and then bruton parker was 500 um so i think it's as we said at the beginning, it's a little bit nitpicky, but let's let's hope that evens out a tiny bit. Well, I think one thing that is noticeable is proportion of threes to total field goals is much lower, especially in these last few years of Coach Hunter. Um, it's something where I think Coach Lanier's like take the open shot and he trusts a lot of his guys to make the shots, but it's not the priority of the offense. And so I think that the reason that as a team is good is that there are a lot of high percentage threes it's out of off of good action rather than throwing them up, which there were times, especially last year where Georgia state's offense did resort a little bit to the throw it up ball game. But to your point, Corey Allen's at 33% Justin Roberts, though he had a great shooting day to day that only brought him up to 29% on the year. So individually, some guys could be shooting better. And so I don't know if that means that the percentage goes up or whether it kind of levels at around 40, which 41 would be a good clip for the season. But if it is more balanced and it's everyone's contributing, that's going to make the defense just even the offense is going to be a much bigger task for opposing defenses. If it is like we have to literally watch four of these guys on the perimeter, any possession. I will say I don't have any stats to back this up. This is just a general thought that I've, had not knocking around in my mind from watching these past couple games is that I feel like a lot of the made three point baskets are coming off of assists a lot more to your credit, what you were just saying, Brady, where Georgia state had a little bit of under coach Hunter, a proclivity to rely on kind of that hero ball jacket up at the end of the shot clock, broken play three. And I'm not seeing as much of that. And again, I'm, this is just coming from just my observation. I don't have any numbers to back this up in front of me, but I mean, right here, you've got Four Panthers averaging two and a half assists or more in the game. I mean, Corey Allen, Kane Williams, Justin Roberts, and Damon Wilson are all legitimate passing threats to find guys that are open, you know, pass out of double teams, just whatever they need to do to get the ball moving and find the guys that are open. And it's going to be a matter of once we are finding those guys of them hitting their shots. You know, you mentioned Justin Roberts had a great uh, you know, great two threes at the end of regulation today to push it to OT. And, you know, he had a, that brought up his 
um, his season stats to, I think you said just under 25% or 29%. Something like that. 29%. Yeah, the ESPN stats I'm looking at aren't updated from this week's games. Um, I think that I'm really enjoying seeing the ball being shared around a lot more, especially in those kind of the, the clock is winding down. We don't really have a drawn up play. What What's going to happen? It's less of a DeMarcus Simons ISO at the top of the key and just pull up. And it's who can I find that has a better shot or a better chance to make a higher percentage shot than I do right now. So that's, that's been encouraging to me. And I really do hope that Georgia state continues to, you know, to, to attack teams from three and they've been pretty solid on the defeat, the defensive end, um, you know, guarding the perimeter as well. No, I mean, if we're going to compare so far this offense to last year's, I will say one thing. I have never seen a Georgia State team move so much without the ball. This team is always moving. And maybe the volume of threes being taken being so low is weird because they're moving so much. But one thing that I have definitely enjoyed seeing is, as you said, pass after pass is being made and, you know, guys are wanting to be unselfish and give up the shot to a better, higher percentage shot. It's really nice to see that happen. And that's coach Lanier. He should happen more. We hear him talk publicly. He wants more unselfishness. He wants guys passing more. And, you know, Got a point because the team has looked at its best when that's happening, and it's no surprise. I guess it, I, I'll put a bow, you know, unless anyone else wants to have something after this. I, I can put a bow on this basketball talk just by saying the biggest thing for me is free throw shooting. Uh, just rattling off some of the percentages of the guy, I won't use small sample sizes, you know, even for this season, if a guy doesn't have n free throws. Yet that's too small of a sample size to really use against him to be like, this guy isn't shooting well from the free throw line. But guys with double digit attempts, Corey Allen's at 59%. Oof. Kane's at 67%. Oof. Damon's at 69%. And Justin Roberts is at 71%. And that last one, I mean, if you're over 70% college level, that's decent. But if that's your best guard at free throws, uh, it just, it's easy. It's free points. Um, you just got to take care of those. I will. I'll take the opportunity to shout out Josh Linder, who is shooting a crisp 86% from the free throw line. But that almost proves the point. It really doesn't matter what position you play. It's fundamentals. It's stuff that you can yourself sort out and get better at. And you've got to have more guys in the mid seventies to eighties and less guys in the seventies to sixties or under 60 with as many guards as you're using. It just got to be more of a weapon. So we're excited for weekend of Panther football action down in Statesboro. That kick is six o'clock. Georgia State basketball is back in action next Tuesday against Dartmouth at seven o'clock. Be sure to check those out. However, you consume Georgia State basketball and football games. We'll be back next week, breaking down all the Panther news from this time until then. Thanks, guys, for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving. See you next time. See turkey, you. turkey. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. 
The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. To submit questions and comments or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com. 